Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Red 7, Red 7, Red 7, Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. Hot route! I don't. What is hot route? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? Billy Bob! This is it! The man who got us here. You ready? You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide-open tailback. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch. Nom, 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 nom. I need that ball. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. Are oh, you going to get me the ball? Oh, I'm going to get you the ball. Oh, 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 I hope he doesn't kill somebody. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's going to make the difference between winning and losing. I got a whole lot of money, 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 money for me. Bottle key, popping that water, man. Jackie. Yeah, it's a party, it's a party, it's a party. Welcome into 11 Personnel, episode 149. I am Nick Roush, joined by Adam Luckett. A little later in the week, but we did not want to start recording on a Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday and then have news of a new SEC schedule come out Friday. But after basically a week in the Florida panhandle, uh, the league did not reach a conclusion on a new schedule like it. Um, after the way things were going entering this week, we thought maybe nine games would, would happen. Um, but Kentucky and some others pushed back enough. There's enough uncertainty for them to say, you know what? Let's just table this discussion for later. We don't we don't need to make any wide sweeping motions right now. We can just we can come back to the to the table later on. Yeah, to me, it's really two things here. Um, I think led by Mitch Barnhart, uh, Kentucky, Arkansas, South Carolina, or three schools mentioned, and then the other teams, I guess, State in their region, was in Mississippi too. State, probably yeah. probably Ole Miss. They want they they want eight games. Um, they don't want nine. Number one, Nick, you're not getting teams aren't getting any extra revenue for this um, because they're locked into a contract with ESPN. That contract starts the new one in 2024. It mm-hmm. runs all the way to 33. Um, so they're locked into that. So they're not going to get any extra money. And number two, the playoff, like the playoffs, is a big question mark in all of this. ACC's new proposed model is three five five. 
Pac-12 Commissioner George Klyavkov is on record saying he wants to go back to eight games. And who even knows what the Big 12 is going to be? Right, right. When they Now, the Big 10's at nine, but they're about to sign a billion-dollar TV deal. <laughs> so they're just, um, so that's going to be baked into their their pocketbooks. Right. Them playing nine conference games. So I think what you're seeing here is I think what the bigger boys are kind of like, well, hold on a second. We're not getting more playoff revenue. Um, Nick Saban has long been a proponent of nine game conference schedules. And he's even saying we need to do what the other, uh, we need to look and do what the other conferences are doing. Um, his, um, his direct quote was we'll be playing five top 25 teams. And that's just not us. That's everybody. Yeah. And we can't have a two loss team get left out of the playoff. If the playoff isn't um, changed. And which, then Kirby Smart came back and said, we, you know, he's for what's best for the SEC, but we'd have to do, we have to do what gives us the best opportunity to compete for national championships. That means competitive balance with the other leagues. And if the other leagues are playing just eight conference games, I don't see the SEC playing nine. I think the, that's what it boils down to until the playoff figures that their stuff out, um, which is they're a mess right now with everything. I saw – did you did you see the thing that uh, Dellinger had with the, the college football playoff guy? Uh, I think his name is – he's the Mississippi State president. Yeah. I, I forget his name, but it, his comments were, I think we can get it done by 2023, and I think we have 10 of 11 people who would be on board. It's like, no, 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 hold up. That's what they said last time, and then you got to the negotiating table, and the alliance dug its heels in, and things went nowhere. So you might be optimistic now, but – there's there's no reason there's nothing tangible to say that it's going to get done by then. Um, so I believe it was wise where you have the the last year of this current playoff contract. I believe is the first year Texas and Oklahoma are in is 2025s for all that. So yeah, they're supposed to join in 2025, and that's so, when the the new playoff will come in 2026. As right. of now, 2025 would be the last year of the current contract. Correct. So so you have them kind of synced up and you have the timing you have time too and that was something that Sankey was really big on during the COVID years um it's why he freaking was ready to go punch Kevin Warren in the face when the Big Ten made all those crazy moves uh, he's always been about being patient this is another case of it but this is uh this is where we gotta tip our catch to Mitch Barnhart um you know I I remember when he was on the selection committee for basketball, looking, we're like, Mitch, pull some strings for us. This was this was finally that time where Mitch used up his capital as the longest tenured AD to make some waves. And uh, even though uh, he made some comments that made it pretty clear that Cal and Stoops don't like his stance on nil, how he kind of drags his feet, I think Stoops will be happy that Mitch was able to help get the eight-game format some momentum to keep that alive because nobody wants to play nine SEC games less than Mark Stoops. <laughs> that dude, yeah. he, They're not hiding from it, no doubt. He, he, he doesn't talk about big college football issues unless it's going to nine games, and he's just, nope, I don't want to do it. Did you see how everything happened back in the COVID year? Like, I'm out on yeah. it. Yeah, and we're going to get this here, Nick, and it's going to be pretty funny. Um, you're going to get national media folks just ripping Barnhart for this preventing them from seeing a nine-game SEC schedule. People are going to be pretty irate about it. 
and that's going to be funny. But like you said, he picked now to to uh, he's got all these all these chips he's accumulated, and now he's now he's putting them on the table for this. We're all in. <laughs> yeah, but and and the thing that I like uh, the way he's negotiated it is for he's selling it to Kentucky fans is we need to keep this, this, the governor's cup alive. It's in jeopardy if we don't, which is it technically? No. I mean, we can get into that later, but well, I think they, they would have to have a conversation. Right. I think but, they would have to seriously consider it. But That's what fine. he did though was he, he, he put that as the front, but then also played at everybody else's heart. Cause here's the thing, Alabama, they don't really care about Kentucky's rivalry with Louisville. The ACC ones, I don't think anybody at the SEC cares that much about those out-of-conference rival games. Except Florida, who's Scott Strickland, he just keeps talking, right? <laughs> he wants to play everybody. Scott Strickland sounds like they don't let him say anything in the room, so he just comes out and says everything he was thinking to the media. Yeah. Because um, he's been talking all week. He wants to play nine conference games, plus uh, – 10th and then he wants to have another power five game i'm like guy like nobody else wants this i don't even i don't know if i even truly believe you want it but in the most florida way possible that's what we that's what we got from him um but yeah i don't think i don't know i guess we just have to figure this out it's it i mean we hate it but because everything comes down to the playoff but this is just a perfect example Mm -hmm. of it coming down to the playoff like you know you got to figure it out if acc and pac-12 are only playing eight you know, maybe you should consider not playing eight, right? Or not right. playing nine. And, and that's and that's where Mitch went to. Is it's like why put ourselves? At, we already cannibalize each other enough. Why, why put that extra game on us? You know, and that's where you get people like Saban to to kind of come around. So, uh, I was glad that as much as it would have been fun to start this podcast, and we've got this new format, and we're ready to talk about who's playing who and all this sort of stuff. Uh, It's probably for the best that they did leave without any sort of concrete changes. The one big change they did agree upon was how they'll do the basketball scheduling format, which is instead of playing three permanent home and away games, you just two, you rotate another team each year and then you play the rest of them. And it just kind of is a coin flip year to year. Uh, Everybody's in the tournament, all 16. Yeah, yeah. You get more Wednesday, games on Wednesday. Wednesday's just going to mean more. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Careful. man. Those, those are going to be some bad games. I guess that's kind of what – isn't that what the ACC does already? Yeah, it's just one more team. The yeah. ACC is 15. It's just one more. Right. Notre Dame, yeah. Uh, but um, I, I we do need to talk a little bit more. Let's get into the discussion that's happened previous times throughout summer radio. But this time actually feels like – the biggest excuse reason not to play the governor's cup. If the conference ultimately decides to go to nine currently Kentucky and Wolver locked in to play through 2030. But as it happened in the COVID year, if the conference changes their scheduling format, you can get out of that contract. Or if bowl eligibility requirements change. Right. From six to five or, you know, whatever it may be, or six to seven, if there's less bowl games, which I mean, that ain't happening, but uh, look at, in your mind, I know you live amongst, you live amongst the filth like me here in Louisville. Uh, you enjoy watching those dirty birds cry as much as anybody, but could you see the move to nine ultimately ending the governor's cup? Yeah, I think 
the it's been shown in recent conference realignment that that stuff happens. Texas A&M, Pittsburgh, West Virginia, whenever there's a big conference move like that, rivalries have died. Bigger rivalries in Kentucky, Louisville, and football have died. I think it's on the table. I mean, I 100% think it's on the table. Kansas, um, Missouri, and basketball, that was a big one that went away. You even in football, that's a that was that for that's kind of I don't know similar a little bit, right? Yeah. Regional rivalry there. Both those fan bases hate each other. Um, they both interact with each other in those big cities, specifically Kansas City, and that died. Uh, so I don't think it's out of whack to think that the that it would be firmly on the table. Now, if bowl requirements change, this or that. I think they would consider it. But if it's not, if you still got to get six to get to a bowl game and you have to play nine SEC games. I don't know. We'll see. I, I mean, I think they I think they would end the series. I really do. The one – so the, the timing aspect of it would benefit Kentucky on it, – it's, it's, it's a pros and cons. So, like, on the one hand, do you really want to end a rivalry that you're just completely dominating? And – but on the other, you, you this would be the time where you don't have people saying, they're just scared to play. It's like, no, our hands are kind of tied. Um, but here's the, here's the thing like that Mark story made a good point. If you, well, I guess, I, I guess like, that, what about South Carolina? Okay. Right. Why would they still want to play Clemson if they're playing nine SEC games? They wouldn't, they shouldn't. Would you, do you just like losing? <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, well, in, in Mark Story's point was if you're getting rid of some of your SEC football rivals because things are rotating more often, Louisville fills a rivalry gap. But the thing is, I, they I, wouldn't if it goes to nine. I don't do think three, people, six. it would be – people would be upset, but when Alabama, Auburn, A&M, Texas, Oklahoma are rolling into town consistently, mm-hmm. that kind of fills that wound. You know what I'm saying? Like you're gonna have huge, huge I mean, you're gonna with this new skate, you're gonna have huge, huge home games every year. You're gonna have a brand name blue bud coming to your house. And that Texas, Oklahoma, and AM, the first few times they come, it's gonna oh, be it's gonna be a nut awesome. House. And you're gonna yeah. be able to go to Austin. You're gonna be able to go to Norman. Mm-hmm. You're gonna the, be able to go to the Grove once every four years. The one I don't want to say sticking point, but I think what might make Mark Stoops, because we know that less is more. Wins matter more, and and I'm with him on that that aspect of it. It, it, This whole thing we got in last year ahead of the Governor's Cup where people like Locke and, you know, you have all these yokels out there. Oh, they haven't played nobody. That that makes no sense. it It doesn't matter. Wins matter more than the opponent you're playing. Does it make it more fun in the moment? Sure. But when you think back on seasons, like just look at the attendance that they've got over at the the Pizza Palace, okay? That place filled up more regularly when they were beating the snot out of Conference USA teams and winning nine games than it has when they're going six and six against ACC teams and getting shellacked by Alabama in these uh, season opening games. I'm with them to that extent. The one reason why I think there is a little bit of a, a... what might make Mark Stoops slightly thick twice. The momentum that they've built in that series has not only directly translated to just bigger seasons, but on the recruiting front. I mean, 
Louisville's gotten what two kids in, in the state of Kentucky in five years. You yeah, know, like I, it, uh, you can still do that without the game. But there might be a year or two where you're having to fight off some narratives that Kentucky's scared to play a Louisville or something like that. My counter the argument would just you could just show the final scores in a graphic. But the, but if you take that away though, you know what I mean? Or I, I guess the SEC oh, I get should it. ultimately it's, it's all, have that. But you know, it's it's a it's really it's easy, easy to sell. It's really easy to sell with JJ Weaver. Like JJ Weaver just got to throw L's down after picking off a pass when they, you know. They didn't want me kind of thing. You know, like, that's fun to sell to those kids in the city of Louisville. So, there's aspects of it. And I personally don't want this rivalry game to go away. In fact, I want it to be Labor Day again. Let's play it Sunday, Labor Day weekend. No. I'm all for I, it. I'm not against that, but. That's because you aren't doing summer radio in, in Louisville. <laughs> well, you just you be, be better. Just be better, Nick. Find something else to talk about. I, I think that uh, listen, they've been playing since 1994, right? 30 years this next year. Okay. In the grand scheme of things, that's a short period of time. Dropping the hat. Louisville's only been a power conference team for less than a decade. Yeah. Yeah. 2014 was first year, I believe. Sounds right. If you get east of Lexington, I mean, who really cares? Like, do Kentucky yeah. fans in Bowling Green, do they – how much do they care about the rivalry? I think that's just – I think we are located in a region in the state where it matters a lot. And we are online matter. and we're Louisville fans are very, you know. If, if, I, if I drove to Corbin today and asked 100 people in Kentucky hats, would they rather play Louisville or Tennessee every oh, year in either 100. sport? So, I mean, like, obviously, rivalry is regional and all that. Um I just think they would highly consider it if it's there because there's not like it's not a hundred year robbery or anything. And I yeah, think all that all that stuff you're gonna have to you gotta make hard decisions. You gotta do what you think is best for your football program. And if you think get locking in three permanent wins or close to permanent wins in the non con is the best thing for you, then I think you gotta you gotta make the hard call. So to support your line of thinking the sec would prefer to go out of their way to preserve those hundred year old the alabamas and tennessees and what have yeah but you have to think like those are all conference rivalries right right i'm talking like this is a this is a non-conference rivalry like there's not a lot of those out there you have south carolina clemson florida state florida kentucky louisville georgia georgia tech which Georgia, Georgia Tech. Yeah, I mean it, that's you know. There's just not out. like if you if you start looking at rivalries, they're all a lot of them are well, in conference. And and you would also add too that this is happening. Like if this, if we were having this conversation in 2011, or you, you know if we were having this when, yeah 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 2011 Kentucky struggling Charlie Strong I think that was their Sugar Bowl year that or 12. Kentucky fans would be much more like, oh, you know, if it went away, it wouldn't be the worst thing. But I, I will say yeah. that from standing in my shoes, this rivalry mean this game means more to me than most. Uh, you know, whether it's it's family, it's friends. Um, I enjoy only having to drive a mile to the stadium to to go cover that game. Uh, th this rivalry does mean more to me, and I would hate to see it go away. 
I would. The last three years beaten by a million points has been so much fun. Um, I, and I also – I've found myself just really, uh, really drawing the ire of them even more. Like that uh, – when it, the, the, the Lynn Bowden game especially just really made me – Rub salt in there when I whenever I said that the whole team got the flu and their quarterbacks might not play. They said I was fake news, and then after they lost by a million, they said, "Well, he actually was right. They were sick." It's like screw yeah. all of you jerks. Like so, I really love to beat the absolute shit out of Louisville. Well, that's every a, that's another year. one game that Kentucky hadn't played anybody and walked into it against Louisville. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. See, and that's why I love this game because ultimately. If you don't play it, then you get this same old bullcrap brought up every single year. And, you know, it's, 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 it becomes diarrhea eventually of just bullcrap that you hear from Louisville fans. So I, I will want – I want this game to be around. It should be around um, just because I say so. <laughs> with, with no other it, – it's one of those like it that even if you make solid points as to why it shouldn't be played – I still think it should be played just because I want to see Kentucky and Louisville play football every year. That's just, just how I feel, you know. It's just, and that's how a lot of, and that's what makes college football great is because we we do have these rivalries um, that make people go crazy, and that's an unfortunate. It's the most unfortunate side effect of realignment. Well, the positives we get to go watch a game in Austin and play those kind of teams regularly. The negative is is what you're you're is this right here. It's a new rule. So, I mean, we don't know. Like, we're all – this is all speculation right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Especially after no no decisions were reached. Doesn't even know what they're going to do. So, we'll just have to let the cake bake here. Uh, But, like I said, that's – I think it's going to be on the table whenever – because they're eventually going to nine. They might go to eight in the short term. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that thing's getting kicked up to nine eventually. Right, and right. Kentucky's going to have to decide if that's what if it's worth it. Now, if ball really changes and you can get there with five and seven, then you should play the game. That that would be my opinion. But winning is more important than scoring points in a non-conference schedule. Winning year over year builds builds prestige, um, builds a track record, which helps you raise your ceiling. So that's why you know, like what you got smart scheduling is very important in college football. That's why Louisville this year, Nick, I'm going to be pretty high on Louisville. They could have a top 35 team and go six and six, five and seven. <laughs> they're, they're playing a dumb schedule. They're going to UCF. They're playing one of the best FCS teams at home. Why are you going to UCF? Why are you going to UCF the same year you're going to Kentucky road trip? Why are you making two non-conference road trips, true road trips? Is it JMU? It's JMU that's coming, right? Yeah. And I believe that it's their last FCS season, too. They're, like, into the weird transition year. Like, I think they're in the Sun Belt, but they're not in the Sun Belt kind of thing. So, they can't go – I don't think they can go to the FCS playoffs, but they can't win the – And they can't go to bowl Belt games team. either or something, too, probably. I, yeah, it's some weird transition year. But, yeah, they're going to be a full-fledged Sun Belt member here soon. Hmm. Freaking – gosh. And – like, I think Kentucky has benefited. Like, part of the rise has been the non-conference schedule. They've scheduled mm-hmm. smart. Mm-hmm. They've beaten Louisville. You look up, and they're 9-3. and three. <laughs> The uh, the whole – it's just it, – it's so funny to me because – and, and you only hear it really from the other side, but it's so funny to nitpick the schedule whenever when, 
we break down games. We talk about, well, this year the conference schedule is really looking in UK's favor. You know, like it's – You never know. Like last year we thought it wasn't, and it ended up being a pretty manageable slate. Oh, man, I'm excited. We're gonna Some people wanted to, to tell me Kentucky didn't play anybody. Remember what was Florida was ranked 10th after they played Alabama closer than anybody all season <coughs> last year. It's just the fact that um, the the fact that all of the teams kind of went down the crapper after Kentucky beat them. It, that's what it is. Mark Stoops is just a grim reaper, and folks just won't accept. It's like it. that the meme, the internet meme with the <laughs> grim reaper walking door to door. Oh, that was great. Yeah, I think that was a Jack Pilgrim special with the uh, coach. Of- <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if you want to get Coach O's book with Bruce Feldman about turning around programs, it's for $1.88 on Amazon right now. Did not age well. <laughs> Did not age. Hope they got that uh, got that early return on investment there. Um, one thing I did want to mention from the spring meetings, too, we didn't get any more Kiffin – or not Kiffin. Uh, Jimbo and Saban are all playing nice now. Uh, I did think that the seat chart they had there was – just absolutely wonderful content, though. Yes. <laughs> uh, with, with Jimbo in between two SEC officials, um, you had the nerd corner where it was like Kiffin in between Drinkwitz and uh, – it Well, it was all – I don't know if you noticed it, Nick. It was alphabetical order except Jimbo. They moved him out of alph- alphabetical order. So everything else was – you were in – everybody was in alphabetical order. And they stuck Jimbo in between, uh, between all the admins. Chuck Dunlap had to keep an eye on him. Who's, who's like the SEC media rep? Like, that's who we talk to to get. Yeah, yeah, he, he's the media relations guy. But I'm forget, it was Drinkwitz, Kiffin, and who who would be? Leach. Yeah, oh, yeah. Just like weird corner of the table there. Uh, and it's going to take me so long to get used to seeing Brian Kelly at LSU. I, I, even when we see him on the sideline, it's going to be like, ugh. You know, and just a purple. I don't, I don't know. I just yeah. – We'll get that. We'll, he's going to get the red face. And we're not going to know if he's mad or if he's just sunburned down there in Louisiana. Seriously, that that game of of new faces and new places in football and basketball this year, it's as crazy as it's ever been. Yeah, football. There are a lot of people move. And Dad, modern. Like go week. There, I think there's going to be a lot of people week one. If you like, he's coaching there. Yeah, who's their coach again? Mario Cristobal in Miami is one that just sneaks up yeah. on you because you don't think about them a lot, but mm-hmm. that one's going to be a big one. Like, uh, you got to think all the, the brands that got new coaches Oklahoma, mm-hmm. Notre Dame, USC, USC. <laughs> LSU. Oh, man. We're less than 100 days away, I think, down Miami. to 92. 92 to Kentucky kickoff on yes. Friday, June 3rd. Which, oh, man. A weekend of these countdown posts and who? There's some numbers out, finicky numbers out there. Like when yeah. you get to 49 and 47, have you figured out what, what you're going to do? See, I don't know. Cause like I, I can get you a paragraph or two on Khalil Saunders and then a paragraph or two on Phil Hoskins or something. But man, some of these. Yeah. yeah. Right. I had 97 and that. Slim Pickens. I the, was. I was going through stats just trying to add up stuff that equaled 97. Like, please, please give me a 97. The, so the one, though, I, I've, I've started digging through the the every year, every day I go back through the ring of honor to see if numbers are on it. Art still could have been one for 97. 
Uh, I didn't even think about yeah, that. Yeah, that was, that a, was a miss on my part. It, it's hard for the older numbers. We really need uh, Corey Price to start a website like John Scott did for basketball just so we can have the players by numbers and make this yes. thing easier. Yeah, that'd be, that, would, that would work. It's, it's easy in basketball. It's a little bit more difficult in football. Um, which, speaking of, football kicks back into gear this weekend. Kentucky's camps, it's, 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 it, everything's back on. Um, we've got official visitors. Uh, Anthony Brown, the four-star wideout from Ohio. Uh, Springfield, Ohio, is going to be the first official visitor of this recruiting calendar year for the Cats. And, uh, man, I I didn't realize his accolades like it. Of all the Springfield kids they've recruited, he's got to be the best, right? Seems like it. I mean, Seems like it. He, he's a little bit shorter guy, 5'9", but crazy fast. Uh, helped them get to the Division One uh, state title game last year, which Division One is the six A equivalent. Kentucky, Ohio's largest class, um, and I, and I mentioned the Springfield kids because they're coached by former Wildcat Mo Douglas. His kid Moses went to UK, transferred. Isaiah Gibson went to UK, transferred. Cordell Looney uh, was a five year guy who ended up getting in the rotation, playing quite a bit as a junior senior. Um, but UK's recruited there often, and now. This might be the biggest fish yet. He's officially visiting over the weekend. And uh, look at this looks like it could be another another race between the Cats and Cincinnati. Yeah, he's got a UC official next weekend. So it's down to two. Former Minnesota commit here. Um, I believe he decommitted in February. Um, with Brown, I think he's true slot receiver. Uh, that's where you're going to plug and play him at. We've seen like long speed be a big trait that the staff goes after. I don't. I'm not sure he has that. So that that's a question mark. I, I would I would throw out there. But when you watch him play, really good ball skills. He does a great job of tracking the ball. Um, he gets open. He's running by guys. So maybe it's a case where maybe he plays a little faster um, than his recorded speed. Um, so for me, it's going to be like what what would be his like a legit speed not testing numbers for him. And if those checked out, he checks a ton of boxes for you. He's not the biggest dude in the world. Uh, I believe believe uh, on three has him listed 5'8", 160. His personal huddle is 5'10", 170. So let's call it fair somewhere in the middle, 5'9", 165. That's, that's little. But, you know, if, you got, if you've got the quick-footed uh, short area burst where you can get open – that's intriguing as a, as a slot guy. And he makes a lot of catches over the middle uh, if you watch his junior tape. Um, so that that's something you have to do as a slot receiver. Um, so that's intriguing. So there's a lot to like there. I, I think they really like him. I think if you if they let us in the door and we got to see their priority big board of who's up on the list, I would say he's near the top along with Christian Conyer, who's also coming to Lexington mm-hmm. for an official visit this weekend. Yeah, he – Conyer, the cornerback from South Warren down in Bowling Green, unofficially visited Tennessee last weekend. He's unofficially visiting UK this weekend. Um, and Tennessee had their huge unofficial like visit. They called it Volapalooza, so they get a bunch of guys they think they're going to get committed here over the summer. They get them all t- together, um, and then they try to they're going to try to spit out a bunch of commitments here over the next month month and a half. Kentucky's going to get the first official for Conyer in two weeks. And then I think the following week he'll be at Tennessee. Um, And I know 
he has certainly been at the top of UK's big board for cornerbacks uh, as long as they've been recruiting him. So uh, a position that Kentucky's whiffed on a decent amount as of late. This is one you've recruited the state well, especially in these battles with Tennessee, with Octavius Oxendine. You've won some in the state of Tennessee. This is a big one, big fish you need to keep home. Yeah, June 17th, official to UK. June 24th, official to Tennessee. Two-horse race. It's one you would like to win to get in him in there. He's got some size there at the secondary position. I think that you're going to like. Two-way player in high school. I think there's a lot to like about him. It seems like Kentucky really, really likes him. That getting any type of recruiting win over Tennessee is significant. So that that would be big, and that's another one. Like with the, I think Brown and him both are going to be summer decisions. And usually, when you're hosting these summer officials, usually what you want, what Kentucky's trying to do is they're trying to get summer officials in for guys that are probably about to announce in July or whatever, so they can get them committed. Now, when you're seeing some other schools like Oklahoma's hosting 25 guys on official visits this weekend. They're probably not going to get commitments for maybe one, two, three of those guys, but they're trying to build up buzz under Venables. Clemson's hosting official visits for 30 players this weekend. This is the first time Dabo's only done officials in, in the summer. Um, so I think they're just trying to make it kind of a big thing to get a bunch of buzz. Mm-hmm. But usually the summer is not as efficient, I would say, as the fall officials. Right. Um, so you got to pick your prospects, who you want. Um, you keep it a little small, like Kentucky, keep it smaller, intimate, so you can give them a ton of attention and then try to get a commitment. I think there's a reason Anthony Brown's the only official this weekend. I think he's getting the full court press. Mm-hmm. And then plus with Conyer here on an unofficial, I think that's kind of a double team, hope they hit it off, and then maybe you can record a big win for, with pretty, both of them. Pretty crazy for Clemson to – I mean, if you like all 30 kids and you're just doing them all at once, it feels like a waste, <laughs> you know? I think it's more of just the look at what we can pull off, get guys together with your coaches and see if you all can hit, you know, hit it off any type of thing. It's also one of those things too, where Dabo has got to, he's got to do, try new gimmicks every once in a while. This is how he rolls. Well, they Clemson used to try to do, they called it like the tiger cookout or something. And they would try to get what they thought would be their whole class and then their bigger, biggest prospects all together for a weekend in Clemson, and that would be kind of their official, like, this is our group. So I think they're trying something. They're just doing that a lot earlier here, and they're, but they're doing it with officials, I think. It's just how, how just an example of how other people are operating. But for Kentucky, I think it's very much uh, need-based. Like, we're not going out of our way to host guys. We're going after guys we think we can get committed here over the summer. And then when the season comes – Save those officials for some of your later prospects. Obviously, those are going to be the better officials because you get the game atmosphere in in school and all that. Where you come to campus now, there's nothing on like campus is dead. Right, right. Um, speaking of visitors, Thursday was a funny day on Twitter because Kobe Keenum is a. What top five hundred guy offensive yeah, lineman? Right out, right out, top five hundred. Around there, six hundred. Yeah, yeah. He, he is as good as Louisville's done in recruiting. They still can't get an uh, you know a lineman to block for him, which is kind of important. Uh, but they're all in on this guy, this Kobe Keenum kid, 
and he switched his official visit dates around. And the funny part about it was the guy who runs Louisville's rival site, Ty Spaulding. He's new to the game, look it. He's yeah. new to the game. He showed it. He showed it too because uh, he moved it to keep this as clear as possible. He was going to go to Louisville June 10th. And instead, he decided to go to Louisville June 17th for their big weekend. And this, this rivals guy, Louisville eats first. They're getting him on the big weekend. Well, he also moved it back so he could go to Kentucky first. <laughs> yeah. Which uh, Keenum ended up seeing well, all of that I think stuff. If, I, think if Ty could say it again, I think if Ty could say it again, he would use a different choice of words there. So but Louisville is – we can get into Louisville here too. Uh, but they're having their huge recruiting weekend on the 17th. That's when they're doing all their officials. Pierce Clarkson's coming for his official, which I find I, – I, if I had a guy like that that was like the big fish, I would think maybe you wanted no. to save it for the fall. Yeah, yeah. You unofficial him until you – you know, Can't until you have more. to. Yeah, yeah. So, that I thought, uh, um, so, but anyway, they're doing a huge – Huge blast off for their official. All their guy, all their commitments are coming. Um, they're bringing in a few other big fish, a couple like top one hundred and fifty prospects. That Ruben Owens kid, I think he's Ruben Owens, Madden yeah. Sanker, who's a top one hundred and fifty. Yeah, offensive lineman from Georgia. Um, Javen Simmons, who's a four star running back from Florida. That's going to be kind of their big weekend. And Keno moved that back so he could he could go to that. Well, and and also he moved it to. Um, he moved it to go to Kentucky's kind of side because I believe the 10th through the 12th will be the most you'll get from Kentucky official visitors in a weekend. I mean, it's still you know, As, five. Yeah, they have so. – to me, they got uh, – what I have logged so far, they have Shamar Porter booked. They have Ty Bryant booked. They have Kobe Keenum booked. And Danny O'Neill, 2024 quarterback, supposed to camp that weekend, that same weekend. So, right, that's going to be a big recruiting weekend um, there in Lexington and you're – you're putting him in there with two guys who are committed. Um, and also, this is like Drake Jackson jumping into the fire here. He was tagged in Keenum's mm-hmm. announcement. So, he's helping out there. Zach Ginzer um, trying to record maybe his first big win, recruiting win and getting a head-to-head victory over Louisville. Be good. He's from Alabama. I believe that's North Alabama. It's mm-hmm. kind of the same stomping grounds as Logan Stenberg. Summer all used to recruit a lot. Bunchy Stallings, I believe, from that region. Yeah, it's the summer all connection, right? So I, there's a lot there. So if they can, and obviously Yenzer got connections in Alabama, right? Went to Troy from his time at Troy. I think his yeah. family moved down. He either moved there or Georgia. I can't it remember. was Georgia. Okay. Um, was where he spent his high school years. So yeah, n- nice little battle here. We could we could be having uh, for for Kobe Keenum. And it's just fun because just to see his reaction to all the social media stuff. Because you know how kids are. They're like, who wants it more? And then you get, yeah. you know, a bunch of kids. Yeah, it was smart on his part. Really, really up in that follower base. Going to help that on three nil valuation. But we need to uh, dig into Louisville here a little bit. I wrote about him this week, Nick. We found something interesting on Steve Clarkson's Wikipedia page. And I want to start this off by saying Bruce Feldman wrote a book called uh, Making the, like the QB, how they, you know, making of the modern day quarterbacks. 
Mm-hmm. And he followed three, mainly three guys in here who were all kind of private quarterback trainers. The other one was Trent Dilfer, who took over Elite 11 at this time. Um, and, it, and they've all still, like, are involved in the quarterback space. Like, George Whitfield was famous for tra- training Johnny Manziel. He did uh, with, ESPN hits for a while. And that year was the year after Johnny won the Heisman. So, it, like, part th- the third of the book is just Johnny going through the whole circuit. And it's a, it's a circus. Like, you, you should read the book just for that. Because mm-hmm. um, Feldman gets into that. It's another guy involved in it. It's Steve Clarkson runs a big quarterback in California. Kind of got famous for like trained Matt Leonard, Matt Barkley. They talk about his, I believe him and Matt Barkley a lot in that book. I mean, he's just like this big private quarterback trainer in Los Angeles. He's, he runs an organization called Dream Maker. Um, he makes people pay thousands of dollars for them to train their 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 kid who's a quarterback. I mean, it drew so much attention. Morley Safer did a profile on it for 60 minutes. And Yes, you can find that 60-minute <laughs> profile, I believe, on YouTube. It's crazy. And in that, he says, I believe, that he didn't want his son playing football or this or that. They kind of pressed him on that. But that's not that's not even important. So, Pierce Clark says playing. DreamMaker is sponsored by Adidas. You go to DreamMaker.com, Adidas' logo is on the page. So he is getting paid by, by I mean, it's it's a case of following the money. It's pretty clear. And the thing and is, and this time you can't get in trouble for it. And even more so, uh, California is one of a few states where high school kids can can get no money. And mm-hmm. that that's the the part of this too, like it is like, you know, we don't want to be the guys over here just trying to be whistleblowers or anything like that. It's just annoying that Louisville people aren't, talking about it from the, the when they talk about scott satterfield's recruiting renaissance uh, I, I, they don't even know they don't know who to give credit to because they refuse to just acknowledge that they got adidas finally scratching their backs up we need to call it what it is this is genius by scott satterfield it's the smartest like, thing I, he's ever done nil is here let the middleman handle it. You just go over there and you coach. And then you just bring the players here. And, like, I'll just – you go win PR victories for me on the side. And let me coach the team and try to win some games this year. And so now you're getting where they're having all this momentum. They, they're building up. All these kids are coming at the same time, like we said, in June. Um, and as long as Pierce Clarkson's in this class, they're going to get a lot of these guys. Um, now, the long term, I don't think recruiting California is going to be an efficient strategy for the University of Louisville. But if you can get one big bump in this class and you could give Satterfield a little bit more runway here as the head coach, I think it's a good move for them. Now, you, the, the now, sustainability aspect of it's a big part, which the, the, I, I, I appreciate, like, you're right. It's genius on his part, especially in a very big year for him where he's kind of been towing that line with that fan base for a while. Just it's remember where we were in this, like in January. He was going on local radio. Um, Josh Hurd had to go and take a stand for him. They brought him back, and he went on local radio to defend himself. I and mean, now like this is just now they're just getting PR wins, and like Louisville fans are getting chirpy with Kentucky fans online. They're they're back. But but here's the thing though, like it, it's work. It's it's a very much a short term thing, and it can work long term if you win. That's a big if. Mm-hmm. How many of those do like? Uh, yeah. How how interested is A and M going to get 
in some of these Adidas guys whenever the rubber meets the road, you know? Yeah. I mean, DeAndre Moore's a top 100 prospect in L.A. He goes to the same high school as Malachi Nelson, I believe. USC is going to make a run at him. Right. Can you hold on to him? Is that Clarkson connection strong enough? Now, we got another news yeah, this was good. this week. Aaron Williams, who's had enough, he's a top 150 cornerback who's committed to Louisville. He's had another high school. He's transferring to St. John Bosco. Who's St. John Bosco's quarterback? Pierce Clarkson. <laughs> and Pierce I mean, Clarkson also plays there with Jalil McClain, who's another commitment for Louisville, who's a top 500, I believe, uh, like all purpose back or slot receiver. It's it's pretty like you know that Clarkson Steve Clarkson's doing his job well when he's even getting the transfers in the high school level to, to move and shake around. I just can't imagine living this kind of lifestyle. It sounds exhausting. and and Nick Jermaine Lowell, who was a big transfer portal win for Louisville. Arizona oh, State. the the kid from uh, Arizona, it's from Southern California. Huh. Long Beach Valley. Interesting. Interesting how that works. It's fun to connect the dots. I like it. I'm glad. You know what? Somebody's got to, damn it. Yeah. So, I, I mean, we're in the Wild West, right? I mean, I'm not saying Bulls cheating and they should be in trouble or anything, but telling you how they knew is. what they were doing, and it's working so far. Now, we'll see long-term if it works, but I think in the short term, I think it was a really good idea for Satterfield if they can win some games, just keep Pierce Clarkson in the fold. I think they're going to be fine. They're going to lose some kids, I would assume, like – that receiver, that's he's going to be very, very hard to hang on to, I would mm-hmm. think. But I don't know what Louisville's NIL is set up like. Are these, you know, how much money are they dishing out? How much are these kids getting? Mm-hmm. How big is that fund? <laughs> Can they add a bunch more? Are they just loading up on the front end? But they got a ton of momentum right now. They're getting national buzz, recruiting buzz. Steve Wolfong just wrote a big post about them with Satterfield, gave him a bunch of quotes. And they're on pace for a top 20. Like, right now, their average star rating is top. I mean, it would have finished tied 10th with Texas last year if the class ended today. Um, so, that's kind of where they're at. I mean, it's a very, very high caliber. This was a team that never recruited at a top 40 level under Satterfield. Right. I mean, quite, the total change has been switched. So, we'll, we'll see. But I, I think it's, a, you know, short term is a great idea. And for Clarkson, I think there's a reason he's going to Louisville, right? I mean, Cunningham's out. He's going to be the clear guy next year when he steps on campus to start. And so if he can come and bring some some guys with him who might be able to play early, I think that's why they're doing it. So like it on an unrelated note, I've got to bring up something very important that's just crossed the the Twitter sphere of mine. Um, I know we're both big roosters guys. You're a big Bud Light guy. But what if I could offer you a Mountain Dew Long Island iced tea from Buffalo Wild Wings? Does that sound like it floats your boat? Intriguing. I saw those. They caught my eye a time or two. Like, what is, what is this? What is this mess of a liquid? <laughs> what are we doing here? This is a, a, a motor oil on ice. Um, the thing is, though, is LITs. When it's you 89 watch them, unleaded. When you, when you watch a bartender make an LIT, you're sitting there thinking to yourself, how is this going to taste good? <laughs> it's just a bunch of garbage. Uh, LITs were a go-to in the younger days. Oh, go man. About to get a few LITs. 
Ooh, can I tell you a fun uh, bowl game story that I don't think my brother will mind me sharing now? Shoot. So uh, he was the walk-on who got to dress for home games, but didn't – I don't think he always traveled. I don't think he was on the travel squad as a true freshman. When you go to bowl game, um, any – you know, everybody gets to go. Right. First year, he gets to go to the Bahamas. Pretty kick-ass bowl, right? Well – the first night he's there, they really only have one practice there that's hard. It's the next day. But that's basically the only thing he has to do all week. He decides to go out with the offensive linemen and drink off of the – That's his off, first off, mistake. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> they decide to go off the resort because, you know, Atlantis is pricey. Let's go get something cheaper. So he's trying to keep up with his guys, and they're drinking the Senior Frogs version of the LITs. Yes. I've heard about those. Oh, yeah. And, well – Think he one of them's good, two, and you're over the moon. Three, well, he ended up underneath the blackjack table back at Atlantis. He at least made it back to Atlantis. They had to carry him, uh, cheerleaders had to carry him back to his room. And the next morning at practice, mind you, this is the first ever Bahamas Bowl. Logistics uh-huh. are not exactly worked out. You can't drink the Bahamian water, you get sick. Oh, yeah. So, so I had this practice in 90 degree weather. He just smells like booze. And the whole uh-huh. team's like, God, Ralph, come on, wait, get yourself together. And he just is just puking, can't keep it together. They don't get hour, uh, water for almost an hour up till practice. And when he did, he just is like, there's never been better tasting water in my life. So uh-huh. uh, it was a it. proud big brother moment because if I'm the walk-on of the football team going to the Bahamas for a bowl game, I'm getting too drunk to uh, – I'm doing this – I'm doing the same exact thing. Yeah, that that's a, that doesn't sound like a hangover experience most would want to go through. Lesson learned: LITs stay away, especially yes. Mountain Dew LITs. I just if you're over 23, 24, you don't need to be drinking LITs. <laughs> that's a young man's drink. Yeah, that's a young yeah. man's game. Oh man! Which, by the way, I'm doing a bachelor party this weekend. It's just in town, but God, I'm going to be doing that and then going to the Kroger Field on Sunday. So I got to. It's wedding season. I got it. it, it, it Why can I hate how much I've got to like tell myself to pump the brakes? Is once I hit thirty, I know. Man, the Sundays, and it's less about like a headache or anything. It's just like I just wanted to do nothing. I just want to sit in like cold and do nothing. Which is why I did that PGA Sunday. That was glorious. But man, did mm-hmm. I whew, getting old? Huh. No fun. Yeah, um, I don't know if we have any more uh, football-related topics on the docket. Um, I mean, there's nothing – nothing's come out on Chris Rodriguez, but it's – nothing sounds good. So Yeah, still playing just, the waiting game there. Yeah, we can just leave it at that for now. We're going to let the cake bake there as well. Um, but I'll be at the football camp on Sunday. Uh, so keep it locked mm-hmm. on the KSR Instagram and Facebook stories. What? I'll have some clips there. Um one thing I will say about Chris, like if he's going to be ineligible this year for whatever reason, he needs to just go to the supplemental draft, which is over the summer. And I think he would have to enter his name in that over the summer. Um, so that might that might be something that has to happen here soon. So that might be something we need to look into. Could be I, – I hate to say it, but we could have ourselves a Jeremy Jarman situation on our hands – um, where you have these big dreams for a big season and then one of your best players gets taken away. Um, a little bit different with a, a rusher of 
Chris's caliber, but if you look at the UK record book, Jarman, he wasn't going to break the, the Oliver Barnett record, but he was going to come close to it. Um, same thing with tackles for loss. I mean, he was right up there until he had the, the GNC supplement, get him to t- fail a drug test, and he had to hop into the supplemental draft. That was just a real damn shame. Yeah, it was uh... – that was unfortunate. Now I'm looking here, Nick. I don't even know if the NFL even does this anymore. I'm, I can't find anything, and they didn't have one in 2021. That might have been a thing that COVID got rid of. Yeah, so maybe that's not even an option. Maybe he has to wait out. Could he just enter draft. as a free agent? I would assume so. He could. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that would be better for him or not. Yeah, well, I don't know. Man, I mean, he's already graduated school. Right, right. So, I mean, maybe he was there four years. So, but I mean, either way, he doesn't oh, need to every- stick around if he's not going to be able to play, would be mm-hmm. my kind of well, what I'm getting at here. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. So, that maybe, so disregard that I said that, uh, no supplemental draft, but that, that, that would have been an option, I guess, five years ago, but it doesn't look like that's a thing anymore. I'm also seeing a clip that you're going to see quite a bit. Uh, a guy for Wake Forest just in center field got tagged with the ball right off the top of his head in a yeah. regional game. Un- underrated sporting event over the next three weekends, Man, uh, baseball tournament. And it just pisses me off because it was fun following along with the UK theme last weekend. Yeah. I mean, if they could ever get good, that'd be fun. Well, for us, easy summer content. And it'd be something to look forward to to watch on the weekends. When we and talk next week, is, is Nick Mingione still going to be the coach? Yeah, I was wondering, like, I guess because they had all that meetings this week, all that the end of the year conversation probably had to be pushed back. Right. That's what that's what I was thought. Because like it was selection Monday was at three o'clock or something Memorial Day. Mitch is probably I, already down in Florida by then. So I didn't hear anything about Thursday. And I was like, oh, I guess he's back. But then I realized, oh, like everybody's down in Destin right now, so can't really have any. I don't know. Um, I could see that going either way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, it's a beautiful weekend in the Bluegrass. We got the state baseball tournament happening at Kentucky Proud Park. Uh, my DeSales Colts got blue lead to Freddie's Woodford County. But your Sanex Tigers, they're they're alive right now. They're playing as we speak, I believe. Yeah, yeah, against Christian County. So um, we'll see, we'll see. Um, but hey, enjoy this beautiful weather. It's going to be a great one. Uh, have a happy weekend, and we'll be back to talk to you next week on Eleven Personnel. <laughs>